Hey, yo, nerds, and welcome to another episode of the Hashira Half Hour. I am still catching up on sleep post-convention. I've had two cups of coffee already today. I'm Hannah, and I am joined, as always, by Emily and Brian. What's up, y'all? It's me, B. Rye. Um, I'm riding out, you know, that same post-con um, fatigue, but we're here. We're doing it, right? Absolutely. What's up, guys? It's Emily. Uh, also, joining my friends here. We are just needing to catch up on those missed hours of sleep because we're getting old. Let's be real. But in good news for myself, I am joined as well today by my pumpkin spice latte. So... <laughs> We've heard about it. Just wanted to provide that follow-up that I know you were all eagerly awaiting. What what number is that, Emily? How many pumpkin spice lattes have you had? Not as many as I would like, to be honest, but that's because I went on my trip. Um, I think this is number three. So it's so not that bad. Maybe, okay, regular pumpkin spice number three. If we're including a pumpkin spice chai, then this would be number five. <laughs> Today was my first pumpkin cold brew, and I was last night. I looked at Johnny. I was like, "It's criminal. We haven't had anything pumpkin yet." It's September. It's, yeah. it's like it's you know we can pretend that it's not ninety five degrees outside. Hey, it's ninety five, not one hundred and five. Exactly. That is an improvement over yesterday. So, <laughs> oh, oh. pumpkin everything. <laughs> Uh, before we dive into today's episode, into today's episode, um, I do just want to say a huge thank you to anyone who's listening and who joined us for our panel um, on Monday. We had so much fun running that. It was our first time doing a panel at a convention, and the turnout was really quite great. So thank you for joining us if you were there. We hope you had as much fun as we did. Look out for more panels because if you're in the Phoenix area and you're wanting to go to a convention, we're probably going to be showing up at more since we all kind of fell in love with doing it. Um, so thank you to everyone who came out. Um, that being said, today we are discussing episode 10, Together Forever. And this is another jam-packed episode. We're, we're really getting into the meaty part of the show. It really only goes up from here. Um, but the first thing I wanted to call out in the episode, we're just going to dive right in, is the tail end of the fight against our two demons. Um, this is the first time we see a demon have enough time after getting beheaded that he still attacks the Slayer who took him down. Uh, that Slayer, of course, being Tanjiro. Um, and boy, was it a tough little uh, what like minute there for Tanjiro getting just completely thrown around like that. So my first question is, how do y'all feel about that demon's determination to take Tanjiro down even after losing to him? I think that it kind of shows, um, you know, the, the essence of his demonic nature and the bloodlust. Because in, in my opinion, I don't even know if I would describe it as a determination to take him down. The words that he uses is like, you're not suffering enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. You deserve to suffer more. And I think that there's something almost more haunting about that than just saying, you know, I want to kill you. Um, I'm coming for your life. Like, no, I'm here to cause you enduring pain. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's definitely something pretty ominous in that being that those are even the demon's last words that he would want to uh, exact like any kind of revenge through a slower form. Yeah, <clears throat> I definitely agree with that, right? Um, the suffering and that ominous being, it gives me uh, 
Joker vibes because when the Joker dies in the Arkham City games, at least not uh, canon to the comics, it's the it's a very similar situation. The Joker put himself in his own situation where he's poisoned himself and Batman has the cure in his hands and he's like, I'm taking that cure from you, stabs him in the neck, but also ends up having him drop the cure for his own poison. So it gives me that same vibe. Well, I'm going to try and take you down at the same time, even if it's my dying breath. And I think that's kind of how every villain works to a certain extent, right? Every hero wants the most optimistic outcome, but every villain wants the most chaotic and vengeful outcome. So I definitely think it kind of comes back to that root of being a true demon. And demons usually are born out of, from what we know so far, the suffering of their human lives. So I definitely think it just is very on par and very canon to what we know about demons so far. Definitely, yeah. Again, just it being the first time we're we're seeing someone like get taken down and still be like, I'm gonna make you suffer like as long as I possibly can. And he sure did. I mean, Tondro had a broken rib and a broken leg after that. <laughs> so definitely ouch, as I would like to say. Yeah, I think that was the first time we've seen a demon be able to continue attacking after already mm-hmm. kind of dissolving. Um yeah, I, I mean, don't know. I think it. I think it might be with the, at least a, a, to that intensity so far. I think every demon we've interacted with so far that we've taken out has like dissolved almost immediately. It's been like simultaneous with Tanjo bringing his blade down that they are gone, and this demon actually because they were more powerful had more time and could just continue the attacks even though he was slowly dissolving. I think it's really interesting, right, to see. Um... <clears throat> Kind of now, Tamayo mentioned that these are not 12 Kazuki, that these are just like kind of plain demons and that this is the first time we're seeing that. So it definitely gives us more context as to what we can see in the future, right? Because we know that there's a hierarchy of these demons and we're still scraping the bottom of it. And they were, I would say, somewhat struggling to finish that fight, right? And so now Tanjiro knows even more, right? Yushido was like, those demons were weak. And he was like, weak? What, what do you mean? I'm trying. And so it's just that scale to the understanding of a power hierarchy within this world is really cool. Definitely. It was, it was a tough, definitely the toughest fight yet, but we have so much to come. Um, but good for Tanjiro for taking him out. Like, that was a tough way to end the fight, though. Um, Moving on to the battle between Susumaru and the rest of the group, uh, we are really starting to see Nezuko kind of come into her own with her power and abilities. We've seen little moments here and there, and we're continuing to get those little moments to show like that she's getting that power. Um, how do you feel about Nezuko's power up here? Do you feel like it was just enough to get a glimpse into what's to come? Do you think it was maybe a little too much power, just like all of a sudden she's able to take on this demon? Kind of what are your thoughts on that? I think with Nezuko here, I think it's a really interesting moment, right? Because you saw Tamayo give her like a healing solution, I think is what they called it, right? And so uh, she said that this doesn't give anyone extra power. It just like resets you. And so I think that comes back to Nezuko's um, almost second growing up, if you will, because right when she reverted to a demon, we saw her kind of revert to that baby-like state. And now she's starting to understand like larger concepts and social context. So I think this is a, a kind of a motivation for her is like, oh, I just got hurt 
and I wasn't able to protect the people. I need to work that much harder. So in her own sense, she's been inspired by her brother, right? Who's worked so hard to protect her that now maybe those feral uh, thoughts are driving that power and driving that motivation to win the fight. So I think that was a really interesting way to kind of demonstrate that like power up. Yeah, I agree. Um, it does come on pretty quickly, but I think it just speaks to how quick of a learner she is and that she's able to pick up on other demons movements and has applied um, steady improvements in every fight that she's been in so far. This was probably the toughest one. Um, you know, losing her leg immediately can't be great, but she's able and she's almost able to treat it like it's a extreme demon game as well. She's like, oh, you're going to throw the ball. I'll kick the ball back. Let's see what you think about that. And you can tell that it's kind of a shocking moment for everyone, I think, that's surrounding them. Like, oh, is she able to do this? Um, I know that they mention like, they're like kind of looking, they're like, could this be that this is the healing potion? Like, no, this is just Nezuko learning on her own. All I did was help heal her a little bit, but she's figuring it out. So I don't know that I think it's too much of a power up to start. I think that it's pretty in line with what she's done so far. And it just goes to show and foreshadow how much stronger that she's going to continue to get. Yeah, I think they did a really good job at just like showing us little moments of her power, like to show that she is extremely powerful, but not like, you know, cancel the universe right away. She has a lot of learning to do for sure. Right. Like, and they mentioned that, you know, if this other demon were to go like full out against her, she still wouldn't stand a chance kind of thing. And that's when Tamayo has to step in. But it's her ability to learn and to adapt, I think, so quickly that's going to make her really dangerous in the future. Nezuko has a lot to learn, but I believe Nezuko can save, save the demon the world. world. <laughs> <laughs> we always have to throw in those little Avatar references. Every once in a while. You know we love that. We love Avatar here in this house. <laughs> Well, that's actually a really good segue. Um, you mentioned Tamayo kind of taking over because she mentioned that, you know, the demon is still formidable. And while Nezuko was putting up a fight that if she were to go all out, it probably still wouldn't go well for Nezuko. So switching kind of over onto uh, that part with kind of closing out this fight. Uh, I found it interesting that Tamayo mentioned the reason behind demons being cannibalists. It, it has to do with Muzan not wanting his own creatures that he's kind of created because he's the first demon banding together against him. So do you think that Tamayo's statement held true? And how do you feel about the possibility of Muzan being maybe, maybe ever so slightly insecure? I think that you can only be a leader if you have people following you, right? So um, you have to figure out what way you're going to procure a following, I think. And so Muzan's method for banding demons together at least on his side of the general fight is fear i think he's able to manipulate them with fear mm -hmm. and so i do think that her statement holds true um he doesn't want his own creatures banding together against him even though i do think he probably could put up a pretty formidable fight given that they're his own blood and kin clearly he's insecure because i'm sure that muzan still has his limits and he's going to be able to uh, try to conquer the Hashira and the Demon Slayers a little bit better if he has the cooperation of all of the demons. Whereas if it's all for one or they band against him, it's not going to go well, I don't mm -hmm. think, in the war that's ultimately upcoming. So I do think he's slightly insecure, and I think he uses fear to manipulate his following. 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I feel like that's kind of that everlasting good versus evil battle, right? Um, the good people have to find their security in their own beliefs, while the villains are always going for that, you know, continual creation of insecurity in others to then procure a following. And so I think that's really what's happening here is we're seeing Muzan trying to continually create insecurity amongst his own followers. And hey, you can't trust the other people around you. And so like, if you are a cutthroat person, you can make it with me. And I think that's where he's trying to balance the amount of fear that's there because the 12 Kazuki, from what we know so far, are supposedly like his followers, his disciples, and they all kind of stand very strong from what we know of them. So I think it's that there is a certain amount of trust there, but also Muzan has to have the upper edge in any conversation or encounter that he has, or that is where that insecurity comes in. Because again, he does have limits and we don't know those yet, but we assume that they're somewhere far beyond where, you know, the demon slayers are. So having, you know, more support is always good for him. Yeah, I think it's interesting too because he he doesn't want them banding together, but keeping them from working together also means that it it, it kind of gives the demon slayers an upper hand a tiny bit because of the teamwork that they have to you know take on the demons. Three people will will work together as we'll see you know coming soon to take on one demon while that demon has to fend for themselves because they can't work together as a team. So he is insecure, but it's also kind of not helping him in his fight against the demon slayers. All villains have to make bad choices. I think this is one, one of his. <laughs> uh, so one final call out for the battle. We really can't not talk about the Kibutsuji curse. What a horrible, gruesome way to die. Like, I, I always say that this show is not as gruesome as like Attack on Titan is, but in these moments, it's like, yeah, it's kind of the same. <laughs> At least they turned away. <laughs> the camera didn't show the full thing. Um, but how do, how do you feel about that power that he holds just by them stating his name, even in a, like a good way, stating his name? I think with this battle, I think it's so interesting because I love to see when fights get turned upside down and like like we kind of talked about right nezuko was not going to win that physical battle on her own we saw kind of you know the strength but really had it been an all-out fight she probably wouldn't have survived so tamayo playing this kind of like a chess game and getting her to open and expose her own king was genius first off but talking about the kind of gruesome way to die honestly love to see it like, I love to see a bad guy, like, do bad guy things. Um, watching kind of that curse just occur was like, wow. Because we talked about how that um, demon from the swamp, the swampy demon, he even, you know, was paralyzed in fear. And now we see the execution of that fear, right? He was able to stay silent and Tanjiro ended up ending him. But now seeing the actual repercussions of it is even worse because that was awful. Like, wow. It's just very, very concerning for kind of Tanjiro knowing the power level he's at right now and his end goal of wanting to take down Muzan 
it doesn't line up and it and it gives you a lot of anxiety for what comes up next for Tanjiro. Yeah, I, I mentioned that use of like fear and manipulation before, and I think that this is a perfect example. It's not like this guy's a little bit scary. It's like this is the threat if you even break one of the smallest possible rules that he happens to have. It's like you mention a name, um, even endearingly, and this is the fate that you are going to suffer. So he's able to manipulate that level of fear for a reason, clearly. And it's not the first time that we've seen it. We saw this with the Swamp Demon previously as well, where he wouldn't even say the name. He's like, I can't. Um, I, like, he would not even talk about it. He'd rather the Tanjiro just kill him. And this is probably why, because he knew that this was on the other end of it. So you can see the level of power that's already being exerted. But it kind of makes you wonder also, like, why this would be such an extreme rule as well. As of this point in the show, I kind of think that it's because the name holds a lot of power. Um, we've seen that Muzan is kind of a chameleon and he's able to like shape shift and um, adjust his appearance and his location to suit what he's needing. If somebody has a true name like Tanjiro, I think that that puts him in danger as well. So that's probably why this rule is in place, but it doesn't make it any less gruesome of a rule. Well, like she you was said, like... go ahead. I was saying, and she was like, Lord Kibutsuji is super strong. You're like, yeah. vying for him, fighting, and then all of a sudden he was like, ha, you did. Yeah, she wasn't even saying, like, a bad thing. She she wasn't being, you know, t interrogated and asked, who is your leader? Because I think that he has made this curse because he doesn't want these demon slayers and his enemies to know his name, even. Um, and I think that's the main reason why he has that. But she was like saying good things. She was defending him. And it's still because she simply uttered his name was the reason that she died so gruesomely. It, it's just, it's, it's so insane. Incredible. Um, there was a lot to go over this episode, but I do really want to quickly speak on the second half as it kind of, the battle was winding down and we got a little bit of interaction, very adorable interaction between uh, the group. Um, the name of the episode was called Together Forever, so it was more kind of calling to this part of the episode. Um, as Tanjiro denied Tamayo's suggestion of leaving Nezuko there, even though it might have still been safer for her. Um, so what are your overall thoughts on that scene and Tanjiro's decision to, you know, obviously keep Nezuko with him together forever? I think objectively you could consider that it might be a little bit safer to leave Nezuko there, but I think that Tanjiro doesn't trust that she's going to be safe anywhere but at his side. Mm -hmm. He's already lost his entire family. She's the only sole survivor. And even that is like a little bit questionable because she's not in the state that he left her in. And so I think he just feels this innate desire to protect her and to keep her close by so that he can be certain and see with his own eyes that she is going to be safe. Mm -hmm. So... I think it was really nice that Tamayo offered, but I don't think there was ever a chance that Tanjiro was going to leave Nezuko anywhere but with him. Yeah, and I mean, even with Nezuko being at his side, how safe is she even then, right? Like, there have been multiple times where it's been close calls. The Swamp Demon episode, again, he had to jump out the swamp, and in the blink of an eye, he had the demon before. He was going to hit Nezuko real hard. Like, that would have been a, kind of a blow for her. So... Really, Tondro is just like, I feel like maybe it's his accepting of responsibility for Nezuko at that point, thinking, hey, like, 
I can try my best to protect her as much as I want. And even at that, she may not be safe, but at least it's going to be my responsibility. And I won't be blaming someone else for the lack of that. I don't think Tanjiro would do that in the first place because that's not his personality. But still, he doesn't want someone else to feel the guilt that he, you know, that that person didn't fulfill the promise of Tanjiro either. Yeah, I think he thought about it for a moment, but then like she grabbed his hand and like stared at him. Like, you know, that she was like, I don't want to stay here. I want to be with you. You know, there is something to be said about pulling her into battle <laughs> everywhere that he goes. You know, that's not necessarily is the safest option, but. He also knows that he can protect her and that she can protect him and that they work together. And I really liked that, that very sweet moment where she clearly was like trying to communicate with him through just her actions and she can't speak that she did not want to leave him too. It was kind of like both their decision, I think. Awesome. Any other call outs before we move into our favorite moment? like this episode was a little bit shorter or maybe it just like went faster because I feel like this was maybe a little bit of a transition episode into the next arc but I definitely think even when we get these episodes that are maybe that don't feel as long I feel like they still provide us a lot of world building and context so I do really like that these episodes even when you know where they're placed in a plot line whether they're at the end and the falling or they're at the beginning and the rising of the plot, I still feel like we get a very good amount of like content emotion. And I just think that again, speaks to like the value and the, you know, um, quality of this anime, just because I never feel disappointed with an episode. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of something to say, having watched finally finishing ranking of Kings, adding another one to the list and starting spy family. I feel like, I've watched a lot of animes where I feel kind of disappointed from episodes. And now I'm really starting to, you know, see how every episode is just giving. Mm -hmm. That's what Demon Slayer is good at is there's no like filler episodes. They just, they move on at a good pace. It doesn't feel rushed, but it also doesn't take too long. It's just like that happy medium of things are happening. A lot happens in this episode. I agree. It went very fast, but we covered a lot of ground with like, development of the story and everything and that's something that i i think demon slayer gets to a t it's just the pacing of everything is perfect all right well it is time to transition into our favorite moments of the episode i will go first um there were quite a few moments that i particularly loved i could call out the moment where tanjiro uh handed susamaru the the little ball before she disintegrating in the sun was just like a really sad but like sweet moment we really are still seeing that empathetic side of Tanjiro mm -hmm. and seeing that she was probably just a kid when she was turned into a demon um but I just want to talk about like Tanjiro and Ezeko's interactions as a whole in that second half of the episode in the basement um I've mentioned multiple times how much I love their their sibling bond it's probably like my favorite thing about the show but that entire scene was just so freaking cute it literally had me melting like I was like ah Ah, like they're so cute like their little hug and their their emotions on their face you can just really see their love for like each other and and how much they care about each other in that entire scene and of course nezuko like hugging tamayo and patting yoshiro on his head because she sees them as like her family as well i just that whole scene was just had me melting like i said it was so precious yoshiro hated that he is literally like, 
Like, and he also hated that Tamaya was getting hugged by Nezuko. Like, <laughs> bruh, this boy needs to learn emotions, my guy. <laughs> but um, I guess that's that's a minor moment for me. Um, obviously, we know I love my main boy right here. Seeing him cry on screen for the first time, bless. Love Big to see it. He is like, I'm gonna die soon anyways. You need to marry me. And I'm like, mm, constant state of panic. Feel that one. <laughs> so that was obviously one of my favorite moments of the episode. But also, uh, I think kind of like the better or uh, the more emotional one was Tamayo getting hugged by Nezuko and then her crying and saying, thank you, Nezuko. Like, mm -hmm. that was amazing because she's like, maybe someone does see humanity in me, even though I'm a demon. I thought that was really cool. Mm -hmm. These are all really good moments. It was a good episode. Definitely very emotionally compelling. Um, I would have to agree with both of the ones that you each brought up. But another moment that I thought was just kind of fun, that was a callback to something that we'd seen before, was Yushiro at the very end. And he's like, hey, Tanjiro, before you leave. Tanjiro's like, what? He's like, your sister is actually really beautiful. <laughs> Even though we'd called her like a hag before. <laughs> he's like, oh, you know, this isn't true. And he's like, you know, this kid's actually all right. Let me... Let me try to have some kind parting words for once, which feels a little uh, unnatural for him, but I thought it was a sweet, like kind of pure moment nonetheless. I like that you call that out because you know Yoshiro is actually starting to care about the two because of the way he treated Tanjiro earlier with Tamayo's spell. Like he tried to be all like, oh, I don't care about you. Never mind. I'm going to go where she is. But you know that he was like, hey, like this is very dangerous for you. Yeah. We love some character development in, like, two episodes. Come on. <laughs> All good things. And I think it's really because of Tamayo, like, driving that. Like, he follows Tamayo everywhere. And I think, uh, you know, maybe he's starting to just follow her. Or maybe he's gaining his own independent thoughts here. I think this is kind of a moment for one of our foils in this entire show to then kind of grow and maybe kind of flavor and contextualize some of our other characters. So I think that's a really cool use of that minor character there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well written. Well, next episode, we're, we're getting Zenitsu. He's finally coming to the story. Woo -woo! Yeah, he sure <laughs> is. And I can't wait to see him cry some more. Likewise. <laughs> uh, the meme the meme that is to come of Tanjiro's face can't wait um, <laughs> I think that is all the time we do have for today though so uh, thank you everyone for listening in don't forget to subscribe comment download review all the fun things on if you're listening on a podcast or watching on YouTube comment subscribe all that fun stuff um, you can also follow us on our social media we are on TikTok Instagram YouTube, Twitter, all the fun things at Hashira Half Hour. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you all next week. Umai. Umai. Umai.